0: Hello everybody. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. My name is Lance Marshall along with Dr. Tim Brewster. We are the co-senior pastors here at the First United Methodist Church in downtown Fort Worth and want to extend a warm word of welcome. Whether you are joining us here in our historic Fifth Street campus or whether you are joining us from anywhere in the world online, we are so thankful that you are with us this morning. If you would take a moment and please let us know that you joined us for worship. If you're here physically within the building at the edge of each of your pews is a black folder, whether this is your first time here or your thousandth time here, I ask that you take and make note that you joined us from worship today and pass it to the people that are next to you on the pews. If you're online through our website, there's a registration form. If you're watching live or later on in social media, just ask that you put your name in the chat functionality. We would love to know that you joined us here today. We're going to continue our sermon series, Taking Love Seriously. and want to let you know that throughout the service, all of the words you need for response will be up on the screen. However, if you'd like to see it larger You can take your mobile device and scan the QR code in the back of the seat in front of you, or we have physical copies of the bulletin available in the rear of the sanctuary. Now, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship as the Crossroads Singers lead us.
1: Good morning again, it is wonderful to see you all and wonderful to have you joining us, if you're joining us online. uh, I am Tim Brewster, uh, one of the co-senior pastors along with Reverend Lance Marshall. Um, And I invite you to stand now for our call to worship. We'll remain standing and sing uh, the hymn, "Love Divine: All Loves excelling," the responses will be on the screens uh, in front of you, as well as in your bulletins or your online worship guide. If I speak in the tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and everything else. AND IF I HAVE SUCH COMPLETE FAITH THAT I CAN MOVE MOUNTAINS, BUT I DON'T HAVE LOVE, I'M NOTHING. IF I GIVE AWAY ALL MY POSSESSIONS AND IF I HAND OVER MY BODY SO THAT I MAY BOAST BUT DO NOT HAVE LOVE, I GAIN NOTHING. NOW FAITH, HOPE, AND LOVE REMAIN, THESE THREE THINGS, AND THE GREATEST OF THESE IS LOVE. Amen.
2: Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Kat Baer. I'm a director of youth ministries here, and I am leading us in our affirmation of faith together. One of the things we do as a community of faith is affirm our beliefs together. Um, The words will be on the screen here or at home on the bottom of your screen, or you can turn to page 883 in our hymnal pew. Please join me now in our affirmation of faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us, we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: may be seated. Baptism is a sacred time in the life of a family and in the life of this congregation. This morning, we would like to ask the parents of Carter and Witten to bring their daughter forward for infant baptism. is a sign of God's mercy and love reminding us that we do not come into this relationship with God on the basis of anything that we do but rather on the basis of God's acceptance and gracious invitation of love to us children have always had an important place among the people of God remember the words of Jesus when he said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such as these belong the kingdom of God
1: And I ask you now, as you stand before God in this congregation, do you affirm your faith in Christ? We do. And do you promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the Church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? We will. And will you nurture Carter Ann in Christ's Holy Church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly and to lead a Christian life? We will. All right. Will you come see me? Hmm? (laughs) Hi, Hi. Hi. <laughs> Carter Ann, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if you'll place your hands on her also. Carter Ann, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you will remain a faithful disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's turn around and see your church family here. There you go. (laughs) Friends, what a blessing it is to participate in this sacrament of baptism, and we do that as a community of faith by pledging ourselves, along with her parents, that we will do all that we can uh, to faithfully follow Christ and to help nurture her in the faith so that uh, as she grows up among us, She will come to the place in her own life where she will stand at this or some other altar and make her profession of faith in Christ. And all this is God's wonderful gift offered to us without price.
0: Would you please join me as a church in the congregational response printed in your bulletin or available on the screen. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that Carter Ann, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal.
3: Well, aloha everybody! Aloha friends here in the sanctuary. Aloha to friends watching online. I'm Mr. Mark, the children's minister here at First United Methodist Church, and this should come as no surprise. What I'm wearing has absolutely nothing to do with the message again. Yeah, in Children's, a few weeks ago, when we knew we were going to have to go back to wearing masks, we decided that if we were going to need to wear something unfun on our faces, we were going to do something extra fun elsewhere. So two weeks ago was Silly Sock Sunday. Last Sunday was Crazy Hat Day, and today, of course, is Hawaiian Shirt Day. And I just didn't feel like taking it off because I'm having a lot of fun. I'm feeling kind of chill right now, and I kind of like the vibe I've got going. If you want to play along, next week is going to be really loud ties Sunday. So if you have really loud ties you want to wear, and at home, you can play along at home. We invite you to do that. A couple of weeks ago, we were working on a song, and it was a cliffhanger, and it's time for us to finish it. Here's the Bible. And here's a song and if you know it and want to join in, it's a different version than the one we've done before, okay? Oh, there's a book that's full of love, the Bible is its name, oh. And I think we were here. <laughs> Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> Ellie, the Bible is its name, oh. Oh, there's a book that's full of love, the Bible is its name, oh. <laughs> e E the Bible is its name, oh, and now the grand finale, oh, there's a book that's full of love, the Bible is its name, (laughs) oh, the Bible is its name, oh, beautiful. All right, so a story from the Bible, ooh, and today's story from the Bible is a love story, ooh, but not the smoochy smoochy kind. Most of the stories in the Bible are love stories because it's the book of God's love. And this is a story about Jesus. So you've got a pretty good idea, it's going to be about love. And it has a lot to do with our scripture for today, 1 Corinthians 13. And there's a part of that that I say over and over a lot. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind. Can you imagine how uh, valuable that is for children's minister? Love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind. When I'm sending emails, love is patient, love is kind. When I'm responding to emails or on Facebook, love is patient, love is kind. There's a lot of practical applications for love is patient, love is kind. And you have a part to play in the story too, because we know that stories about love have ups and downs. So, every time you hear me say the word up, guess what you get to do? You get to stand up. And every time you hear the word down, you do what? Sit down. Good. Are oh, your quick studies. Here we go a love story from the Bible. After Jesus had finished the miracle of feeding the 5,000, all the people were filled up. By the way, while you're up, I was at a conference this weekend with a bunch of children's ministers and children's choir directors, and I got to brag about how we have one of the most playful congregations in the country. So thank you. You are so much fun. As the crowds were settling down, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat to go to the other side of the lake. Then Jesus went up to the mountain and prayed. He continued even when the sun went down. Meanwhile, the, the, the disciples were having trouble. The winds had really picked up, and the boat was being battered by the waves far away from land. Very early the next morning, Jesus came down from the mountain and walked on the lake towards the disciples. When the disciples saw this, fear swelled up inside them. It's a ghost, they said, Jesus tried to calm them down, saying, be encouraged, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got up and started walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened and started sinking down. He shouted, Lord, rescue me. Before Peter could flounder upside down in the water, Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter, pulling him up out of the water. Jesus said, you man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got in the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, you must be God's son They knew that through all life's ups and downs, the patient and kind love of Jesus would always be with them. Now, for any of the children who are coming up with me to the children's wing, come meet me down here.
1: Our scripture reading today comes from the first letter of Paul to the uh, Christians at Corinth, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible, but of course you can follow along in whatever version of the Bible that you have or in the NRSV Bible that's in the pews. Also, the words will appear on the screens. If I speak in the tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. IF I GIVE AWAY EVERYTHING THAT I HAVE AND HAND OVER MY OWN BODY TO FEEL GOOD ABOUT WHAT I'VE DONE, BUT I DON'T HAVE LOVE, I RECEIVE NO BENEFIT WHATSOEVER. LOVE IS PATIENT, LOVE IS KIND. IT ISN'T JEALOUS, IT DOESN'T BRAG, IT ISN'T ARROGANT, IT ISN'T RUDE, IT DOESN'T SEEK ITS OWN ADVANTAGE, IT ISN'T IRRITABLE, IT DOESN'T KEEP A RECORD OF COMPLAINTS. IT ISN'T HAPPY WITH INJUSTICE, BUT IT IS HAPPY WITH THE TRUTH. LOVE PUTS UP WITH ALL THINGS, TRUSTS IN ALL THINGS, HOPES FOR ALL THINGS, ENDURES ALL THINGS. LOVE NEVER FAILS. AS FOR PROPHECIES, THEY'LL BE BROUGHT TO AN END. AS FOR TONGUES, THEY'LL STOP. AS FOR KNOWLEDGE, IT WILL BE BROUGHT TO AN END. WE KNOW IN PART, AND WE PROPHESY IN PART, BUT WHEN THE PERFECT COMES, WHAT IS PARTIAL WILL BE BROUGHT TO AN END. WHEN I WAS A CHILD, I USED TO SPEAK LIKE A CHILD, REASON LIKE A CHILD, THINK LIKE A CHILD. BUT NOW THAT I HAVE BECOME A MAN, I HAVE PUT AN END TO CHILDISH THINGS. NOW WE SEE IN A REFLECTION, uh, A REFLECTION IN A MIRROR, BUT THEN we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain, these three things, and the greatest of these is love. God speaks to us through the reading of scripture.
0: Amen. Thank you. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to extend a word of gratitude and appreciation to the Crossroads singers and to the choir for leading us in music this beautiful Sunday morning want to thank all the folks who are a part of our hospitality and greeting team, making sure that everyone who comes here is welcomed when they first step foot into our church. want to thank all the folks who are connecting us in person and online. I want to say a special word of gratitude to the people who lead in our adult Sunday school classes, in our grace groups, in our youth ministries, and particularly in our children's ministry. I want to pause for just a moment and reflect on something I shared with you via email on Friday. If you get emails from the church, you saw a brief note from me letting you know that something that's very special at our church is our children's ministry. Our Sunday morning programming is called Academy. You may have grown up in a model where if, if you were just a third grader or fourth grader, you went to just the third grade class or the fourth grade class. Our academy model actually breaks up kids and gives them the opportunity to be in classes that particularly interest them. My wife taught in the fall in the Legos class where kids use Legos to tell the Bible stories. There's the Mad Scientist class. There's the Therapy Dogs class. We get a chance to actually read to therapy dogs that are there. It is a truly remarkable children's program. It's one of the reasons why we had 66 kids go through confirmation in sixth grade last Sunday if you were part of it. And it is the engine for connecting young people and young families, not only to faith, but to our church. One of the things that I shared via email on Friday is we have need for about 10 more adults to sign up to be academy teachers here in the spring. And I lifted up in that email the ways in which it's incredibly impactful for you to take that time and to serve as a leader in the children's ministry, how you make a difference, how we meet you where we are, how the children's ministry leaders know that you don't have all week to prepare for something, or you might not be an expert theologian or, or a singer or all all those things that Mr. Mark is, and we know, and he's made it possible for you to lead with your gifts from where you are. If you're capable of getting goldfish from the bag into the cup, you're ready. You're ready, and we've got a spot for you, but the one thing I didn't mention in the email, and I actually want to pause and revisit today, is that when you ask people who have really grown in faith... Of all backgrounds, all kinds of church participation, people who've really grown in faith, can you, and ask them to describe a moment where they really felt like their faith went from here to here, where their connection with Christ, where their faith really grew really quickly, uh, certain kinds of stories start to bubble up over and over again, people really describe their faith as growing. One of the things that they'll report is maybe witnessing a miracle. People witness a miracle and it really changes their faith. Some people experience an answer to prayer. Some people people experience the people of Christ showing up for them in a way that really transforms their faith. One of the things over and over again that people lift up as the part of their life story that resulted in their faith growing radically was them stepping out in faith into something they weren't prepared to do and to experience God's presence and God's sustaining love with them in that uncomfortable place. They stepped out in faith into something they didn't feel ready to do, and God met them there, and their faith grew exponentially because of it. So I want to lift up the possibility of you serving in the spring in Children's Academy, not only as an opportunity to make a difference, because you will make a difference, not only as an opportunity for you to show the love of Christ to young people, because you will do that, but also as an opportunity for you to experience what it is to step out into faith and have God meet you there for your own spiritual growth and development. So you may be thinking, hey, that phase of my life is over. I promise you it's not. You may be thinking, hey, that's not, that's not for me. I, I beg you to consider and to pray over it. We would love to have you serving in that way. We need 10 more people so that our children's ministry can be everything that it can be this spring. On Wednesday morning, we're going to mention briefly in announcements, I lead a monthly gathering called the Christian Men's Breakfast. It's for all men, but it's particularly focused for guys who are right in the middle of faith and family and career. We meet for an hour, have breakfast and discussion at the Martin House Tap Room. And this week we're going to be talking about wisdom, and particularly wisdom that's been given to us or imparted to us that's resonated with us for a long time. And so I've been thinking about words of wisdom that have impacted me, over the course of this week. And this one word of wisdom keeps coming up, and I want to share it with you all today. So for those of you who've been at the church for a while, you've heard me share some of my story. My wife and I have four children. Our oldest child just turned 10 this week. That feels like a big milestone as a parent. Your kid's in double digits. You've been been in it for a decade now. And so our oldest child, our biological child, turned 10 this week, but we have three additional children who are themselves biological sibling group, but they joined our family in 2019. First in a foster care relationship, and then ultimately as forever family. So we have four children in our forever family, and three of them joined us through that way. And that journey for us was led through the New Beginnings program at the Gladney Center for Adoption here in Fort Worth. And if you or anyone you know would ever love to learn more about the adoption journey or what it's been like. I would love to share my story with you. And part of that preparation work included some training and some classes and some opportunity to to speak with others and to learn and to help give some of the skills and background that you would need to step into this place and, and to grow your family in this way. There was a gentleman who spoke to us, I remember, during one of our gatherings together, these prospective adoptive parents, and this is a gentleman who's a mental health professional, and his field, his area of focus, is teenagers and young adults who've come from hard places who experienced very difficult upbringings and that's had really difficult consequences for them as they grew up. And sometimes he gets to know these clients through the justice system, right? And sometimes he gets to know them in other capacities. But this is one of those saints who shows up every single day, right, in some of the hardest places in the world to do God's work and to make a difference. And so he was reflecting on all the different lessons he's learned from that kind of work and his professional background, his practical background, his academic background. And he said, my goal for all of these kids is the same. And he says, and it's my same goal for your kids. He said, your kids, that might be joining your family, coming from hard places, but also your biological kids. My goal for these kids and for your kid and for every kid is the same. I've got one goal for them, right? Given all their unique gifts, given all their unique challenges, the goal is the same for each and every one of them. And this was the word of wisdom that he imparted. He said, my goal is that each and every one of these kids would be healthy enough socially, emotionally, and psychologically so that they can maintain relationships throughout their adult life. That's it. He said, that's the goal. Healthy enough socially, emotionally, and psychologically so that they can maintain relationships throughout their adult life. That's the one goal. And if you ever been in the middle of a group and you accidentally communicate telepathically with the speaker, I did that. I was in the group and I accidentally communicated telepathically with him. 9.30 thought that was hilarious, but y'all are your own group. <laughs> and I accidentally telepathically communicated with him. I said, really? That's it? I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal? That's, that's it? That's all we're trying to do? That's really what we need to do? And he immediately goes, yeah, that's it. He says, that's really it. Because think about all the things that we hope for for our kids. All the professional accomplishments and financial independence and adventures and all those kind of things. All those are really only possible if they're healthy enough emotionally, socially, psychologically to maintain relations throughout their adult life. Maybe marriage if that's what's for them. That's really the goal. And everything else falls into place. When that falls into place, and it made me think about it because my wife and I had been parenting for seven years at that point, you know, and we have all these goals and desires for our kid, but we had never actually said, like, what's the thing we're really trying to accomplish? As parents who are leading our child in faith, we definitely want to make sure that our children know Christ's love for them, like Christ's unconditional and always present love in their lives. But we didn't really ever name what's the goal, what are we trying to do here? We're just doing our best. What's the goal? And so ever since then, we've moved from the unstated assumption to the clearly stated purpose that what we are trying to do in our parenting is make sure that our children are emotionally, socially, and psychologically healthy enough so that they can maintain loving relationships throughout their adult life. Everything else is gravy on top. And that's got me thinking about our scripture reading today. And I have to tell you, y'all, I am always so thankful to be a part of First Church in downtown Fort Worth. I mean, I love being a part of this community. This is the best church I've ever been a part of in my entire life. But this morning, I am doubly thankful to not be a part of First Church Corinth 2,000 years ago. I am so thankful to be here with you and not with First Church Corinth. We've been reading another church's mail for the last couple weeks in worship. We've been reading mail back and forth between the Apostle Paul and the the small little church in Corinth 2,000 years ago. And remember, it's a small church. They don't have a really nice building on 5th and Henderson Corinth, right? They've got no building whatsoever. They're probably the size of a Sunday school class and this little group, this little small church, y'all is drama They have got so much drama. We can tell this from reading through the entirety of their mail back and forth between Paul and them. I mean, first off, they have got some relationships and some sexual immorality in their community that HBO would not touch with a 10-foot pole. All right? I mean, they've got that going on in their church. Additionally, they're suing each other in legal courts. Like, y'all can't hammer this out. There's like 10 of you. They're suing each other. Their church is being ripped apart by lawsuits. They have all this additional drama that happens to do with the way that food idol takes pl- food sacrifices take place to idol in their pagan cultures. But basically, those disagreements are infiltrating what it is to actually be together and to share communion and worship together. They are drama and the apostle paul is writing to this church in the midst of their drama and there's so many things that require so much focus to try to straighten this group of young christians out but one of the most important ones about which paul spends so much time is this issue that they're having regarding spiritual gifts regarding spiritual gifts Two weeks ago, remember, before we joined together in worship, I sent you an email and I had a link to a self-assessment that you could take through the United Methodist Church's kind of home website about spiritual gifts. And this self-assessment would allow you to, to reflect on your life and see in which ways God tends to work through you and find out what your spiritual gifts are. Because you, like every other person in this room or joining us online, you have special spiritual gifts. God made you special, not just for the world, but for his church. And your gifts are most alive and at their best and most powerful when they're serving other people. That's just how spiritual giftedness works. You're at your best and you're most alive when, when you're li- when you're living through your gifts for other people. Last week, we talked about how that all ties together with the image or the body of Christ. Or Tim shared in his message last week, the image of the team, right? And how our unique giftedness is at its best and the body of Christ, the church, is only all it can be when all of those gifts are being used together, right? And the fact that we're not the same and that we are so different and have such different perspectives and such different orientations orientations towards the world, that's what makes us the best that we can possibly be. We've talked about that the last couple weeks and taking seriously that this is the way the loving Christ would work through us. But one of the things that has crept into this community and is beginning to poison them as a young church is the unstated assumption that some gifts are more powerful than others. That some people who can do certain things or through whom God is working in certain ways are better than others, are more important than others, are more special than others, have more of an impact than others. And think of all of the drama that is going on in that church. That's the drama that Paul spends the most time focusing on. Because that's the drama in the midst of all those other failings. That's the drama. The misunderstanding of giftedness and what the hallmarks of a good church are is what actually threatens their witness amongst themselves and to the world more than anything else. And he speaks directly to it in this scripture. One of the things that people are really prizing in that community is that some people have the gift of speaking in tongues, this kind of spirit language. And one of the things that they're believing is you're not really fully a Christian until you've received that gift. You'll see churches in North Texas in the year 2000 who still act and think that way. Other people are expressing certain gifts of prophecy, right? The ability to proclaim God's word to God's world. And they're acting like this is more important or better in some ways. They're beginning to stratify their community. And Paul, in writing this letter, speaks directly to them. That's not the most important thing at all, he says. The most important thing in a community is love. The most important thing in your church community is love. The most important act in your discipleship is love. In fact, everything else is so much less important that no matter what you accomplish in that way, no matter what you do through those gifts, no matter what happens through you if love's not a part of it, it's worth nothing. If I speak in tongues of human beings of an angels, he's saying, right? This amazing spiritual gift, but I don't have love, I'm just a clanging gong. Very a clashing symbol. By the way, we spent about five seconds wondering if someone had a gong in our church before Mr. Mark was like, I got you. <laughs> if I have the gift of prophecy, right, if I'm like a Martin Luther King Jr., and I can so clearly proclaim God's word to God's world that it shakes the very foundation of our culture, but if I do that and I don't have love, I'm nothing. Jesus talks about the kind of faith that can move mountains. And I have that, but not love, nothing. All of that stuff, all of the hallmarks, without love, mean nothing. And I started thinking about this, about myself and what I hope to be as a Christian, as as a pastor, just as a person, and realizing how important love is. And remember, when we're talking about love, we're not talking about the emotion of love. We're not talking about just feelings. We're talking about the act of loving selflessly. One of the things that happens in our translation here is it says things like love is patient, love is kind, it isn't jealous. But so many of the commentators who go through the original text say it would actually be much more helpful if it was translated into verbs. Things like love waits patiently, love acts kindly, love does not hold Jealously, like if it actually speaks in that active way because that's what love is really like. And I started thinking about the implications of my own life and realizing that one of the things I desire very much to be as a Christian and as a pastor is someone who's trustworthy and compassionate with whom people come to in order to share the troubles of life. And I realized if I'm able to do that, if I am that for people, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I'm able to speak to stadiums full of people, right, and people change their hearts and lives in one message, if you have that kind of fruit and you're speaking in exhortation ministry, but you don't have love, you aren't patient, you aren't kind, if you're jealous, if you brag, if you boast, if you're all of that but you don't have love, you're nothing. You're nothing. I started thinking about what it is to be a part of a church that takes this seriously, right? As a church, I mean, you could have a children's ministry that is packed to the gills full of kids, and kids run in the doors of the children's ministry with a smile, and they run out the doors of the children's ministry with a smile and two donuts. (laughs) If you have all of that wonderful programming, and they can sing the songs, and they can clap, if they're not surrounded by love, patient, kind, generous, non-jealous, non-bragging, non-boasting, humble love, if they have all of that but not love, it's nothing. You can have a community of worship that is actually to the gills with the most amazing music and amazing hospitality team that makes sure that everyone is greeted and followed up with an email appreciating that they joined us and have all of those things in place. But if in the midst of your community, you are not absolutely uh, leaving love behind every single step, patient love, generous love, kind love, non-jealous, non-bragging, boasting, humble love, that doesn't get jealous— that rejoices in the truth, if you don't have that, you're nothing. That's how important love is. Take seriously, that is how important love is to individual lives of Christian faith and as a church. But I have to tell you, that's the safe place to leave this message. The safe place to leave this message is to say, that's what Paul has to say to us as a church. But where this message gets dangerous, where this message starts to really rock the tree of your life is to realize that love is the most important thing in everything, not just the church thing. Let me go back to the example that I have of my family, of being a parent. I've got four kids and if I get each and every one of them through school and into an Ivy League school with a full scholarship, what a miracle has happened. And they have amazing connections. And they have straight teeth. (laughs) (laughs) And they've succeeded in all of their extracurriculars of choice. And if I've done all of these things, but they are not able to give and to receive heartfelt love, what have I actually given them? If we have done all of these things, all of these markers, checked all these boxes, but they are not able to give and receive heartfelt love, if they've not actually known to their very core what it is to see love that is patient and kind and generous, isn't jealous, doesn't brag, doesn't boast and rejoices in the truth, if they've gone their entire lives and leaving my house and haven't seen that all the way down to their bones, what have I given them? This gets even more dangerous when we start letting it apply to our professional lives, to our schools, or to our places of business. Because you can hit the sales quota. You can return shareholder value. You can execute the merger, you can reorg the team. You can maximize your earning potential. You can become fully vested. I don't know what that means. (laughs) You can do all those things. But if you don't have love, then it ultimately amounts to nothing. We've said over and over again in our worship today, love never fails. What that also means is love never stops. What that also means is love never ends. One of the things that Paul points out is right now we see partially. Right now we see an inkling of what God's world really is. But all of these things that you're celebrating right now, things like prophecy, things like speaking in tongues, they're going to come to an end. What ultimately will last forever is love. That's it. And when we build our lives as monuments to our accomplishments or to our adventures, those things ultimately will pass away. And the one thing that lasts forever is love. Here's the takeaway for today. The one accomplishment of your life that will last into eternity is the love that you give away for free. The one accomplishment of your life that will last into eternity is the love that you give away for free. Everything else comes to an end. So how do we do this? How do we actually do this? Because I don't know about you guys, but I do not wake up on Monday morning and stretch and go, I am a bottomless well of love and compassion today. Let's go. How do you show over and over again that patient, kind, generous, non-bragging, non-boasting, rejoicing in the truth love that Paul says? Because you can't do it on your own. You can't do it every single day on your own. You can't do it when people are at the end of your rope, when you are at the end of your compassion, when you are at the end of your energy. You can't do it every single day over and over and over again on your own. God is love, and the love that transforms you, that fills you up, and that you then pour out into the lives of the people around you comes from God. Friends, you can't give something that you don't have. You can't pour out from an empty cup. And if the one thing that's going to last over and over and over again is the love that you give, well then step number one is making sure that you get it yourself. When we gather in worship, when we sing praises to God, when we're together with the body of Christ, When we read scripture, when we pray, when we play, when we serve and we give, our hearts fill up more and more with the presence and the love of Christ so that we can pour it out to the people around us through our church, through our families, through our schools, and our places of business. So friends, as much as we might celebrate the gifts that we see in ourselves and in others, know that those things ultimately come to an end. And the one thing, the one accomplishment of your life that will echo through eternity is the love that you give away for free. So let's make sure that we're renewed with it again today. Let's pray. Great and loving God, I ask you to fill our hearts again with the good news of your endless love. Lord, remind us that no matter who we are, no matter where we run from, from, no matter what we have done or left undone, you love us unconditionally. That your love pours out to fill us up, not just for our own sake, but so that we might share your transforming love with the world around us. Lord, no matter what gifts we might pursue or celebrate in ourselves or others, remind us that one thing remains and help us build our lives on the solid foundation of the good news of your love now and forever. We do so trusting in the name and following in the footsteps of your son, Jesus the Christ, as together we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
2: Well, I just wanted to offer a few quick words of announcement before we continue on with the rest of our service. First our next Pastries with the Pastors, which is an opportunity to get to know some of the pastors here if you're interested in becoming more engaged in our community or in joining this particular community of faith. Um, that's on Sunday, February 27th. You'll want to contact Mike or Lisa Helm or go speak to them um, at the on-ramp, uh, which is in the garden at the end of the service if you're interested in knowing more. Our Christian Men's Breakfast, like Lance mentioned, meets this Wednesday, February 2nd at Martin House. There'll be free breakfast tacos. It is at 7 a.m. There'll be great conversations among a bunch of young men in our community. And then, Oh, my last announcement was that the First Street Methodist Mission is our on-campus full-time mission that serves local homeless and low-income people um, here in Fort Worth. They have this program called the Scavenger Hunt where this started really in the pandemic when it became really hard to buy large quantities of certain items, peanut butter, toilet paper, these kind of essentials. And so they started asking the community to help them source these things. Um, And they've still been doing it. And it's been a really fun, successful program. It's a great way to involve your whole family in doing something that contributes to our community. The February item is baby wipes. So if you're out grocery shopping, and you see a little stack, and you think of it, make sure to grab a few throw them in there. And you can bring them by the church office or by the mission um, to donate whatever you manage to gather in your scavenger hunt. Um, I'd like to invite the ushers forward. We're about to enter into our offering. Uh, so as they pass the plates, um, you're welcome to either add offerings there, or you'll see there's I give online uh, cards in front of you. If that's how your family chooses to give, you're welcome to do that. If you're watching online, you can go to fumcfw.org backslash give for opportunities to engage in our community that way. So I'm going to uh, say a blessing over our offering, and then we'll have another piece of music from Crossroads. By your heads, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for all of the gifts that you have given us, the gifts of community and of family, of the love that you have poured out for us, and we ask that you bless these gifts as we return them to you in this way. Amen.
4: to clean.
1: in just uh, In just a moment, um, Reverend Lance Marshall will uh, lead us in our responsive benediction. Uh, but before that, let me remind you that uh, out in the garden, uh, for those of you who are guests with us particularly or everyone who wants to learn more about the ministries of our church, we have on ramp which you 'll find out in the garden and uh, have friendly people to greet you there and uh, answer your questions about the church and help you know more about uh, the ministries and how you can be a part of that. Then over here we have um, an opportunity for, for uh, you to have someone pray with you, our Congregational Care Ministry. Someone from that team will be over here and uh, be prepared uh, to pray with you following the service. Also, I wanna uh, let you know that we, uh, we have a new bishop who started serving our annual conference uh, the 1st of January. And his, the welcome service for him is this coming Saturday uh, at the uh, Grace Metroplex United Methodist Church, which is used to be the uh, Polytechnic United Methodist Church. It's on the corner of the Texas Wesleyan Campus on Rosedale. Uh, that's at two o'clock, that service to welcome him and his wife, Maya, uh, uh, to our annual conference and to celebrate um, their ministry and look forward to our ministry together with him.
0: Where will we go and what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love and joy forever accompany you. Amen.